Welcome to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. In this podcast series, every two weeks, host Audrey Dove shares with you a new topic related to innovation and its impact for the legal world, with a special focus on intellectual property. My guest today is one of the most influential executives in the advertising world, a true evangelist for the power of brands. Shelley Lazarus is the Shaman Emeritus of the advertising, marketing, and public relations giant Ogilvy, based in New York. Shelley joined this agency in the early 70s after she earned an MBA from Columbia and became in 1997 its chairman and during 11 years its CEO. She also serves on different prestigious boards in business or academia, including New York Presbyterian Hospital and the Blackstone Group. Working for clients such as American Express and IBM, she shares her vision, passionate and eye-opening, about how critical innovation is for branding today, the mutation of the relationships between brands and consumers, and the role of intellectual property with a 360 degrees vision. Throughout your career, you've had the opportunity to witness major mutations relating to the way customers interact with brands, such as the boom of e-commerce and the switch to more customer-centric and mobile brand strategies, including the harvesting of customer data and related micro-targeting options and also the rise of social media, of course. Have these mutations changed the main challenges businesses face in order to build, develop their brand, and make them strong? So the advertising business has gone through a complete transformation from the time uh, that I entered the industry. And I think most of it is really for the good. You know, if you can deal with change, complexity, and ambiguity, this is a good time to be in advertising because uh, the opportunities, the potential is enormous. So when I started in advertising, we used to talk about the possibility of talking to one consumer at a time and to having a conversation with that person. And we didn't have any sense that you would ever be able to do it. But that was sort of the model you had in your head. If I could talk to one interested consumer, what would I say? And then if that person responded, and then what would I say back? And so sort of a lot of direct mail was to to try to replicate a conversation. Well, now you can do it. It's amazing. You know, no one ever thought that there would actually be a moment where consumers would self-identify, you know, where they'd raise their hands and say, you know what, I'm actually interested in buying a car right now. I'm actually interested in going to Rome right at this moment. You know, I'm actually interested in that particular pair of shoes, or there's a couch I saw that I just, I need to, you know, keep it with me because I'm going to buy that thing at some point. And so the possibility of having that data, of knowing exactly what people are thinking about, looking for, interested in, is the potential of that is enormous. 
Now, combine that with brand because we now have, I would say, hundreds if not thousands of ways of building a brand. Now, life when I first started in advertising was pretty much, you know, you do three print ads and two television commercials and, you know, your big decisions were, am I going to run it in daytime or nighttime or late night or, you know, prime time or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And, uh, uh, and then you could, you know, you could do a billboard, you could send somebody a direct response letter, but that was pretty much it. Now, the, the different ways that you have that you can actually reach consumers reach customers interact with them respond to them do we we used to always have contact strategies we'd call them but they were they were so sort of dull in a way but now when you sort of think of a customer journey you know where does the customer start and how can you start talking to that person right then until you actually close a sale? And then closing the sale is only the start of the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Because I like to think of, you know, any customer I have, I want to have that customer for life. So the first conversation, the first transaction, that's just the start of it. So one of the things I would observe about a world where there are so many opportunities, the result is huge fragmentation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sort of getting scale for an advertiser is is the big thing now. Huge fragmentation. I would argue that brands are more important than ever Mm -hmm. because the only way you can sort of get cohesion, the only way you can integrate all the messages is through the brand because the dialogue has to be with the brand. The conversation has to be with the brand. And so it's absolutely essential that that brand be consistent and coherent wherever the consumer finds that brand. And so there are people who are going around saying, oh, in the age of social media and all that, brands are dead. Or uh, I actually answer the other way. I think brands are more important. They're more alive than they ever were. Do you have any specific thought about artificial intelligence and the way it disrupts the, the interactions between a brand and its customers? Well, I think we're in such early days on artificial intelligence. I think it has huge potential to be able to identify people who might be interested in, in your product and service. Or, But whenever I sort of interact like in a customer service situation where I'm talking to a computer, it might not sound like a computer, but I know I'm talking to a computer in uh particularly when we're texting or email or it's not refined yet and I don't think it's particularly effective but you can see where it's going you can see that it can get better and the ability for a brand to answer you immediately with any customer service situation you know I I think of sitting in an airport when you're so frustrated because your plane's been Uh, delayed or whatever it is. Well, so now you can you can talk to the airline and they will answer you immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best answer usually. It's uh, uh, it's an artificial intelligence answer. But if it were a good answer, the fact that you could sort of be in dialogue instantaneously 
from any place where you're running into a little bit of a problem, mm-hmm. you could just see what that could do you for brand building. You know, yeah. if it's done mm-hmm. well, when w- once it's done well, you're going to go, oh, God, my, my friends at JetBlue, you know, they're, they're looking out for me. They're talking to me. It, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. They, know, they know who I am. They know where I'm going. They know how good a customer I am. So the potential is enormous. But I don't. Th- I think it's just very, very baby steps. So very far. early. I saw the project Health and Nestle Nutrition AI Assistants. Right. I found that very interesting, and Ogilvy is uh, very active in this project. Well, I, I think again, it's um, the ability to to target an audience, and you know, especially new mothers, and you know, and to be able to really talk to them as friends. Mm-hmm. You know, to be in dialogue, to to be an assistant. You know, to be a support to be a help that's where all the potential is and so we're making great progress and and i think this will almost be sort of proof of concept mm-hmm. for what this could actually do in terms of building a real relationship with a brand mm-hmm. you know and again i go back to earlier days where we used to talk about brand relationship well you can't build much of a relationship you know based on a television commercial or uh, uh, the message you put on a package or something <laughs> like that you know here you see I could actually be talking to the provider of a product that is important to me mm-hmm. and meaningful to me and I could have this conversation whenever I want to whenever I have a query. And so, you know, the potential of it is just it's enormous. Huge. It's yeah. huge. You mentioned earlier the fragmentation of the marketplace today. What does innovate means today in relation to branding for you? Well, I, I keep saying if you can think it these days, you can do it. Uh, I just, in, innovation has no bounds where it comes to branding. Even where you can put messages You know, it's just I'm always surprised when, you know, I'm, I'm startled when I see a message like on the back of an airline seat, you know, and it's sort of like, well, hello, you know, I, I didn't expect to be in dialogue with you right now, but nice that you've noticed that I'm here. And, uh, and, and you know, some... Sometimes some people will say there's too much communication, but again, we can, we'll get better at that. We'll know when people welcome communication. There are people who get a little annoyed because, you know, you sort of look at something on a website and then an hour later when you have traveled somewhere else, the offer of don't you want to look at those shoes again comes up. And sometimes it's annoying, but actually sometimes you go, actually, I really do want those shoes. Mm-hmm. So thank you. In this era of uh, digital transformation, we often hear that the key to build a strong brand is to establish a relationship between the customers and the brand through experiences. Uh, and that this relationship is based on emotions. What are the emotions that brand owners want to foster when implementing their brand strategies? Well, actually, it's a wonderful question because it is part of brand strategy to decide what the emotions are that you want. And sometimes you sort of, you don't just let them happen. Kind of start by saying, I want my brand to feel like a trusted advisor. 
I want my brand to feel like it is the wizziest, newest, most high-tech resource that, that a person can have. I want my brand to feel strong and authoritative and, and the place you go for answers. And, and so you have to decide from the beginning, you know, what you want those emotions to be. And, you know, let's go back to the Nestle example. I mean, there it's to be warm, caring, supportive, a friend, but a friend who has more experience than anyone in the world in taking care of babies. So I think it's important to be very deliberate about what you want the brand to be. And then the burden is to make sure that those same emotions are present wherever the consumer finds the brand. And you can't be one thing, you know, sort of when you're in the retail store and another thing when you're online. That is just foolish because one should reinforce the other. Uh, I had a client once who explained to me, because in this particular instance, the retail stores didn't feel at all like the brand. This client explained that, well, the retail division reports into a different group of people in the corporation. I said, well, that's fine. We can just hand out the org chart to people who walk into the store. Because, you know, if your name is on this store, you are the brand. The brand is the brand is the brand. When I walk into Nike town, it's got to feel like Nike. And if it doesn't, shame on everyone. So is it possible to have a strong brand without emotions? Well, sure. I mean, I think there are always emotions. I, I don't think there's anything that's just purely intellectual. But there are brands that are just strong authority figures, just the facts, ma'am, will ride on uh, hard evidence. And yeah, but even that, I think, evokes emotion. Question about the no brand. What do you think of this movement? I think in the world, we just have, we have more and more choices. To have to navigate the world without brands, I think, is becoming increasingly difficult. I did an exercise one day where I walked into uh, a drugstore to buy cold medicine. I I've never seen such a long aisle. And there are a hundred offerings. There are a hundred SKUs. There are probably more than that. And I was just thinking what it would be like if you actually had to pick up each package and read the ingredients and the efficacy. You know, if there was no brand messaging. Brands have, they pack so much information into a very short space. You know, I have a, a colleague who likes to say nothing compresses data better than a brand. Because, you know, I say a brand name to you and Chances are, if it's a really strong brand, you'll see things, you'll smell things, you'll hear things. Things will come up in your memory, you know, of, uh, uh, of experiences you've had with the brand. Take all that away. And now I'm just down to functional ingredients. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to navigate. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about intellectual property. Okay. Uh, so IP issues definitely play out in the design and implementation of branding strategies. Do you feel that companies have become more creative in the way they secure their IP assets to build a strong brand and make it last over time. And what do you consider as the main challenges today of the IP right holders? 
Well, again, the stronger your brand is, the more likely it is to be copied. And so the owners of strong brands know how important it is to preserve the integrity of that brand. It's essential. Mm -hmm. I mean, I happen to believe that a brand is the most valuable asset that any organization has. There is nothing that is more valuable than a brand. There's nothing more expensive than building a brand. So once you've built one, you're mad if you don't pay attention to its stewardship. That means fighting back every brand violation that comes at you uh, from the outside world. Because again, the outside world, they don't, they don't know who's bringing you this mm-hmm. message or anything. They mm-hmm. just see something that looks like your brand. You're playing with all the jewels, with all the marbles uh, when you put your brand forward. And you have to make sure that you are the protector of that intellectual property. It's yours. It's the most valuable thing you have. And do you see uh, new challenges today? Sure, there are new challenges everywhere because you think you've preserved the integrity of your brand in most of the places you look for, and then you find that you're in another country, and then all of a sudden there's a sign that's up that looks awfully like your brand, but not quite. And you realize it's not your brand, that someone has appropriated your colors, design more or less. The the game is that they think that they can get away with it for uh, until you discover it. But the opportunities for discovery are are greater these days too. You mentioned the importance of brands. We often hear that the key things for a company are brands and people. David Ogilvy told you that people are the only thing that matters, uh, the only thing that you should think about because when that part is right, everything else works. Absolutely. Well, so people are critical. There's probably nothing that projects and reflects a brand as the people who were in the organization. You know, if you really understand your brand well, you know who to hire. You actually know who to hire. You know who embodies the brand values. I think that was one of the amazing things that David Ogilvy actually figured out because he started with an office in New York where it was just him. So how did he go about building a global agency? He went to a country and he met, you know, sort of significant advertising people. And in each case, he figured out who was the most Ogilvy-like person in that market. It was sort of instinctive. He went around the world and he kind of affiliated or bought or joint ventured with different agencies. And then you find yourself 35 years later with a global organization where people are kind of come out of the uh, of the same cloth. You know, they have the same values, they have the same principles. They look at creative work and and the value of the work they do in the same way. You know, and people would always ask me when I became CEO, how come there's so much consistency to Ogilvy around the world? You know, they want me to say that we send out books of principles or... But the real reason is that David started by finding people who inherently were like the people that he believed should be the leaders of Ogilvy around the world. And uh, and so I think thinking of your brand when you hire, you know, who do you promote? Who do you fire? It all builds the brand. Mm-hmm. It's all part of it. 
-hmm. Applying branding to people, you know, is, is a really important thought. Uh, we cannot complete this interview, Shelley, uh, without discussing your impressive career in advertising, as well as your other experiences. In addition to advising major brands such as American Express, IBM uh, or Dove, you have also served on the boards of several major companies like uh, Merck, uh, the Blackstone Group and uh, non-profits as well, like uh, the American Museum of Natural History. What are the qualities that you believe have been critical in your keeping up with and meeting the needs of your clients over the years? Well, aside from working with any client to build their brands, strengthen their brands, to drive their business, because I do believe that brands drive business, I also like to think that I bring to the table a, a perspective of outside-in You've got to be able to see the world from the outside. So you're a manufacturer, you're creating products and services, and you're very focused on quality and uh, innovation. And But you see everything from the inside. Creating and manufacturing is, you know, how do your customers see you? How do your partners see you? How do your employees see you? You know, and sort of, I always like to think about finding, discovering a company from the outside and see what I find, you know, sort of even walking up to the headquarters. What does it look like? How does it feel? What does the lobby feel like? Mm -hmm. You know, is this a place that is welcoming? I, I always, I used to say to clients, have you ever called your 800 number and seen what that's like from a customer standpoint? How many times you're transferred from one person to another? Just uh, to me, uh, delivery trucks are, they're moving billboards, but just helping a client see the world the way outsiders see them, I think is it's something I try to bring to any table that I'm sitting at. And so let's just, I'm on the board of New York Presbyterian Hospital. See the world from the outside. Well, the first thing that happens when you pull up to the hospital is there's a security guy who helps you, you know, with your car and what to do with it. And if they're warm and welcoming, that sets the stage. The uh, leaders of the hospital don't necessarily think of talking to the security guys and saying, you're ambassadors. You are our ambassadors because you were the first point of contact. They are now so great. <laughs> All you had to do was kind of explain to them that it, it matters if you say, welcome, how can I help you? And, uh, and it's infectious. But you have to sort of start the journey where the, the customer, the consumer, the employee, the patient, the partner, the supplier, start where they start and then go inward. To conclude, uh, Shelley, could you tell us your secrets? <laughs> uh, how do you keep up with innovation uh, and more specifically, brand innovation? If you were to give to our listeners one tip or one advice or, I don't know, a blog, a publication, maybe a book that counts for you, what would it be? So I, I'm just, I'm inherently curious. I'm a voracious reader and consumer of media. And it's not just reading and looking and all that, but you have to pay attention to what's around you. And so no, no matter what environment I'm in, I'm not on my phone. What, I do not spend the time on my phone. You know, if, if I'm in an airport, I am just looking at everything around me. I'm trying to figure out where people are, which, which services they're using, 
which restaurants are crowded, where are people shopping. So if you do that 10 times a day, at the end of the day, you sort of have a feel for, you know, what is engaging people. But the best advice I have to give is stop looking at your phone and start paying attention to the world around you, to where people are, what are they doing, what makes them happy. And I think you'll really, it's, it's the best way of getting a feel for what's going on in the culture, I think. Okay, thank you. It's a very wise advice. Thank you so <laughs> much. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Shelley. My guest today was Shelley Lazarus, the Shaman Emeritus of Ogilvy one of the major international marketing communications agencies. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for future episodes of Brand and New, a podcast from the International Trademark Association. If you liked this episode and think someone else would too, please share it. And to learn more about INTA, please visit INTA.org.